Hi everyone. Before we get started this week, I just wanted to let you know we did have some internet slash connectivity issues this week. Uh, we thought we'd gone back and caught everything where maybe the audio had dropped out and we'd done everything, but there are a few places where we didn't get to fix that. So any wonky audio is on our part, not yours, just so you know. Thank you for your understanding, and please enjoy this episode where we discuss Double Jeopardy. Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 21, Double Jeopardy. And I'm speaking from a new microphone today. I know. You sound so great. It's fantastic. (laughs) I feel like everything I say is that much more important, so... (laughs) (laughs) we're like really getting like professional about this now it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) yes yes okay um so uh before we get into the episode if you've been watching along on amazon prime you may have noticed it says like this episode is leaving in 12 days or whatever it is so apparently stargate is now leaving amazon prime at the end of december uh, so no idea where we will be able to get our Stargate fix other than there, going forward. Um, there is speculation. So apparently, um, part of the MGM package includes uh, the the cable channel and streaming service Epics, and it's uh, related streaming service Epics Now, which apparently Epics Now is being rebranded as MGM Plus in like mid January. So there's speculation that a lot of like the past catalog of like older MGM stuff that Amazon required is going to be shoved over to this new MGM plus streaming service, which we will most likely have to pay for. Yeah. Which I have the DVDs, So no, thank you. (laughs) At least at this point, or it could be like what happened with Netflix at the end of last year. We're like, it's leaving at the end of the year. And then it didn't until like this year. So it could just be, you know, the rights were like through the end of the year and they need to renew them for 2023 and, you know, that whole thing. It could be fine. Who knows? But there just beware if you're watching along on Amazon Prime and didn't notice there's a possibility that at the end of December it will be gone. So you may need to uh, find other avenues to watch along with us if you don't own the DVDs or anything. Again, check your local library. They're a really good resource for stuff like that. So. Um, yeah. I don't have to dust off my DVDs and actually find where I put them. Uh, well, I know exactly where mine, are, where mine are, and I do watch them every week because of the commentaries. So now you can Yay! watch along with like the commentaries and stuff now, and the special features and things. Yay! 
Yay. Which when we get to season seven, there's a real fun bonus feature I'll have to point out. <laughs> That's a little ways away, but I think we can do it. Yes. I mean, going by the rate, we'll be in season seven like next year. So, yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I like it. All right. Well, so shall we get into this week's episode? Let's do. I okay. didn't really at all, except for the fact that it has another scene from one of your videos. <laughs> it does. Yes. Yeah. Well, because it, it's a it, it's a very pretty close up of Michael Shanks. Of course, I'm going to put it in a video. It is. And finally seeing it. Well, not finally, but actually remembering like the context of it. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go watch the music. <laughs> well, you can. It's on YouTube. So you can. Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, this is Double Jeopardy. It originally aired on February 16th, 2001. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Michael Shane. What? Is that why he's really not in the episode like yep. at all? <gasps> yep. Knew there had to be a reason. Yeah, that's why. Um, I will put in the show notes. Um, I found a link to an interview he did, uh, like about during the about directing this episode and they also talked to like Amanda and Rick about it a little bit it was really interesting and like fun to read some like behind the scenes stuff um so yeah I'll put that in the show notes if you want to check that out after listen to this first and then go read the interview (laughs) because you're pretty much going to report on everything cool from from no I really only took stuff from the commentary like I have been which oh uh so the commentary is with Michael Shanks and James Titchener visual effects supervisor. Yay. Okay, cool. So in this week's episode, SG-1 joined forces with their robot doubles to rescue an alien world from the ghouled Cronus, while Tilk seeks revenge for the murder of his father. So we open with SG-1 exiting on an alien planet. They kind of look around. Tilk spots some recent footprints, some of which appear to be Jaffa. And right away, there's something a little off with SG-1, like, they're carrying the wrong weapons, and Tilk has a gun, not his staff weapon. Daniel's not wearing glasses. Both Sam and Daniel's hair appears to be a bit longer. So, like, is this, like, a flashback? Like, what's going on? Something's weird. Jack is suddenly zatted from behind. The rest of SG-1 take cover. We see, like, like, the local people come out, and they're kind of in, like, camouflage, and surround them along with then a single Jaffa does come out. Uh, the Jaffa asks who they are, but the one, there's one local man who's sort of like with the Jaffa specifically. And he's like, that's not necessary. I know who they are. They're SG-1. And how dare they return? As we cut to the opening credits. How dare you show your face in these parts? Yes. Uh, so first fun fact from the commentary, uh, that Jaffa guy, that's his voice. There's no voice modulation on that guy. That's just his voice. Um, he was apparently discovered at like a local gas station and is just like amazing and fantastic. Uh, he was also Lurch in the short-lived Adams Family series that aired for like a season, I think. So he's, and I mean, he's done a lot of stuff, like basically any sort of tall deep voice dude in like a movie or tv show it's probably this guy and he was discovered in a gas station discovered in a gas station that's so funny that's it. that's hollywood right there that's yep. hollywood. you magic you're on i need somebody who looks like you come be on tv it's vancouver it happens you know yeah. just 
oh man, I got to move to Vancouver. I could still be yep. discovered. There's hope for yep. me. There is still hope, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we come back from the opening credits. Uh, we see uh, Daniel, Tilk, and Sam are like kneeling now as their weapons and everything are gathered up by these local people. And the the one local guy, his name is Darian. So I'm going to call him Darian from now on. He's like not buying it. And Dan, because Daniel's trying to explain like, this is a misunderstanding. This isn't what you think it is. And Darian's like, yeah, I know exactly what this is. I know who you are. You came, you know, a while ago, you freed us from Harrower. You told us to bury our gate and that the Gould wouldn't return. And then guess what? Cronus came in and came in a ship and enslaved us again. So screw you guys. We don't like you. Uh, he also calls Sam Major Carter, which she looks confused about that, which is interesting. Uh, and also, uh, Jack has gone missing. Like, he apparently ran off after regaining consciousness while everybody was busy doing other things. So the locals take off into the woods to go and find him. I was kind of surprised at how confused they look. If, like, they had, if they knew exactly if they ran into somebody who was like, you, I've seen you. Like, they would obviously know why. But yeah. yeah like huh this is hmm okay i was very surprised at how how confused they were like i would have thought they would have been initially confused and then like oh i know what's going on yeah well i mean i I think they do know what's going on i think the the confusion is like oh she's a major now huh that's interesting it more like that kind of confusion rather than what are you talking about i'm not a major but just more like oh that's interesting that that's new now I registered more confusion about like, what are you talking about? Okay. Okay. I have to write a letter to Michael Shanks to tell everyone to work on their motivational confused face. Okay. Yeah. You do that. Uh, yeah. What was this? 21 years later? Yeah. Yep. He'll, he'll get right on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Yep. Okay. So uh, Daniel, Sam and Tilk are dragged into a throne room and presented to the first prime of Cronus, Sindar. He recognizes Tilkin and is like, Cronus will be very pleased that you're here. Ha ha ha. Because remember, Cronus killed Tilk's father. And Sindar also orders them again to go and find Jack. Uh, Darian heads home and greets his wife. And we get the news that Cronus is actually coming in person tomorrow. And Darian hopes that he'll be pleased with like the capture of SG-1 and all of that. He then notices that his wife is behaving kind of strangely. And that's because Jack is hiding in their house in the shadows. Ha ha, surprise. Oops. Found him. Hey. So back in the Jaffa jail, the other three members of, of SG-1 are talking about what's going on and something is definitely up. Sam is questioning why she was called Major. They're talking about how how could they have known they'd been to this planet before, which like, what was th- what's that about? And Sam then mentions that they're approaching eight hours on this mission, but like whatever is going on, they can't tell these people the truth. It's like, okay, what is what is the truth? What is, what what's happening? What's happening? What's going what? on? So back at Darian's house, Jack has apparently explained the situation to them, which is confusing because Darian's like, there are two of you. And now it's like, oh, okay. So, but basically at this point, Jack just wants Darian to tell him like what happened the last time SG-1 were here. So Darian tells him what he had said at the beginning of the episode when Jack was unconscious about SG-1 came, freed them, and now Cronus is here. So Jack, again, is like, neither Harrower nor Cronus are gods, but Darian doesn't want to believe him because of, like, what happened when Cronus came back. And he had apparently, like, led the rebellion against Harrower, and then when Cronus came, many of his people were very severely punished, probably killed, and he basically considers that his fault, that, like, his people went through this horrible time when Cronus returned. So it's like, whatever, it doesn't matter, Cronus is coming tomorrow, you're going to get 
what's coming to you? And Jack's like, fine, whatever, close your eyes. And they're like, okay. And then like sneaks off while their eyes are closed, which I mean, that that's a good way to get out of the situation. It's a very Jack thing to do, I think. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> okay, close your eyes now. Whoop. Just... Yep. <laughs> and back. Yes. Um, okay, so Cronus is here. Yay. He beams. He, we see like him beam down from his mothership that's apparently in orbit into the pyramid that's there. And he's brought up to date on the situation. And then out in the forest, Darian calls everyone back together to like go meet with Cronus. Um, and we see one person kind of linger behind it as he walks through the woods, like cover up a hand with some leaves. So what, what's what's up with that guy? I don't know. So somebody is in somebody else's outfit, but we don't know who. We don't know who or what or why. No, hmm. but hmm, I wonder who it could be. We can probably guess, but we don't know. Nope. Uh, in the throne, in the throne room, Cronus is addressing everyone, and we see it was Jack. He was now in disguise as one of the local people, and the rest of SG One are brought in, and Cronus postures as Ghoul do like your treaty cannot save you here because. Uh, so we first met Cronus in the episode Fair Game, where the Asgard Treaty was uh, discussed to bring Earth under the protection of the Asgard, which that treaty is only enforceable when, like, SG-1 are on Earth. Like, if SG-1 aren't on Earth, the treaty doesn't protect them. So Oopsie. that's what that whole thing was about. <laughs> mm. um, yes. Uh, so Darian is then called forward and, and uh, given a staff weapon in sort of recognition of his leadership of his people. Uh, Daniel is then brought forward and Darian is ordered to kill him. Uh, Daniel spots Jack in the crowd and just kind of like shakes his head like, don't, don't do anything. Don't like mess this up. Don't do anything. Just stay safe, which Jack acknowledges. And then after a bit of, I know. And then uh, after a bit of hesitation, Darian activates the staff weapon. We see Daniel just kind of smile and like peacefully close his eyes like it's okay he like he knows what's coming and has accepted it and darian fires the staff weapon and we see daniel's head roll across the floor and it's not a human head it's full of electronics what i do like how they had just kind of alluded to what's going on but you know they never really came out and was like we are the robot people until until daniel's head came off and that you know if you hadn't picked on up up on it before that's when you're like oh right those guys oh yes yeah um according to the commentary uh when daniel's head like goes like sort of rolling and bouncing across the floor uh it was rick that got to like throw the head because he's the only one who could sort of like get the bounce right where it wasn't like too bouncy or anything because they he Michael really, really wanted to make sure it wasn't like you know cartoonish and like comedic or anything like 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 treat this as ser- as seriously as you can of like a robot head rolling across the floor like and right. you know if it's too bouncy that's funny which you know he didn't want so yeah Rick Rick, Rick got to throw Daniel's head <laughs> yeah can't say that very often yeah in the SGC control room now there is an incoming IDC. Like, sort of, it's on the IDC frequency, but it's not the sort of standard SG team code. It's just the word Comtria. So, again, now, remember, yeah, so, okay, this is what's happening. And Hammond's like, what's that? Tilk tells him that uh, that's what Harlan used to say. And Jack's like, please, please don't open the iris and let him in. And Sam's like, I mean, he was annoying, but he wasn't, like, a threat or anything. So, 
Hammond opens the iris, Harlan comes through and begs for their help to help themselves. Okay. <laughs> Which, I don't, how do you really explain that one? Yeah. It's like, I need your help. How? To rescue you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, back with Cronus, he demands to know what Tilk and Sam are and then orders them to be brought to his ship and again for Jack to be found because Jack still hasn't been found by everybody here. Up in the briefing room, Harlan is filling everyone in on like everything that's happened since we last saw him in season one. And apparently at some point, the robot Sam had built portable batteries to sort of extend their their range out of the facility because remember they're like the power came from that facility where they were living um so they could like go exploring because hey surprise they didn't bury their gate which is like, yeah so basically like the robot sg1 couldn't stop being sg1 so they universe and they've always returned after 24 hours but not this time they're not back yet and battery only lasts for 48 hours and they are 16 hours overdue so we now have a ticking clock that is set for eight hours at this point. Uh, so Darian heads back home looking quite like downtrodden and confused. And his wife asks what happened and he tells her everything. But the thing that has him concerned is that Cronus was as surprised as everybody else that Daniel was a robot, which if he really was a god, how could he be surprised by that? So the the, the doubts are starting to like form back up again because... That's not what should have happened there. Are all knowing. Yeah. Back at the SGC, they're debating about whether or not to go help themselves. Uh, Jack has no desire to help them because he's like, they're not my problem. I don't want anything to do with this. I was done. Let's leave it where it is. Uh, General Hammond, you know, sees Jack's point, but also has some concerns about the top secret information that SG1 knows because they are SG1. So they know very sensitive information about this facility. And that information possibly getting into the wrong hands. Sam assures him that since they are SG-1, they would guard any secrets they have as closely as the real SG-1 would. They also don't have IDC codes. So that information is safe and like, you know, nobody can get through the iris. So, okay, Hammond's not going to order SG-1 to help. So they're not going to help. And uh, Harlan's like, well, I guess I got to do this myself. So good luck to you. Harlan. We all know that Harlan helping SG-1 is going to end up really great. Oh, yes. Not, nothing could go wrong there. No. 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 So down in the control room, control room, Harlan is showing Sam the glyphs of the address that SG-1 get to went to, and Sam's like, ah, we have been there before. And Tilk adds that that's the oh. planet where they battled Harrowers Jaffa and freed the people of Juna. So that's the name of this planet, Juna. I noticed with this that Harlan was, they were doing like a touchscreen effect. Yeah. And I said out loud, I'm like, oh, that's really weird. They did like a touchscreen effect. I didn't know that they could do that with like computers that were that old. And then it was like, oh, that's probably like he was following along with when they would light up to make it look like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not, cause I don't think it is a touchscreen, so I'm not sure. Because it should have been Harlan points. Then a couple seconds later, it lights up as Sam like clicks on it with a mouse. It shouldn't have been a touchscreen effect, though, is the thing. Because there there wasn't touchscreens then, I don't think, really. Right. I don't know. Anyway. At least not in like a CRT monitor like that. Like, definitely not. Right. 
Nothing about that in the commentary? Nope. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, again, so, yeah, so the people of Juno were supposed to bury the gate, and they're like, Harlan, are you sure this is right? He's like, I mean, I could check my diagnostics, but it'd probably be faster to just dial and see what happens. So we then get a quick cut back to Juna, and we see Jack cleaning off, like, taking off his guys, cleaning off, like, the mud on his face and stuff uh, near the gate, which is surrounded by Jaffa, and also the gate starts to dial in. Hmm. Back on Earth, the gate connects, so the Juna gate is confirmed as being unburied at this point. They're all trying to postulate as to, like, why the gate would be would be unburied, because there were no, like, resources there, the people weren't a threat, until it's like, I mean, just military strategic position maybe i don't know so they're like well let's just send a map and like see what's going on so the map gets through uh we see a jaffa get hit with zat fire and then robojack comes out uh he gives them the rundown of the situation and everything that's going on we get a lot of like the the jacks starting to like snipe at each other which is which is always fun <laughs> it is always fun i like how how robot jack just jumps in and is like hey guys Hey, George. Hey, George. Uh, yeah, he calls him George. <laughs> um, so, but then Darian also comes out because he, he wants to help now. He's sorry for what happened earlier. He realizes now that Jack was right about everything and wants to help with the whole Cronus situation and with the rest of his team members. And so they ask for help from the SGC, too. And so Hammond gives the human SG-1 the go-ahead to head out to Juna. Up on Cronus's ship, he orders one of uh, his, like, underling ghouls. Uh, her name is Jadin, which I don't think they ever say on the show, but is in the script again. This, happen- this happens, like, all the time on the show, where, like, there's just characters there. Their names are never said, but they're, like, in the script and in the wikis and everything. It's like, where did where did this come from? I don't know. But anyway, her name is Jadin. Or J- I mean, how often when you're talking to somebody... Do you actually, if you know them, how often do you address them by name unless you need to get their attention? Well, Rachel, I say your name all the time, Rachel, because you're very... I don't, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, so Cronus orders her to go basically find out everything about how the robots work and also like just what information. Human SG-1 minus Daniel, because Daniel's on another mission because Michael Shanks is directing, so he can't be in the episode. Uh, They all arrive on Juna. The Jacks, again, start, like, snarking at each other, and it actually devolves into a physical fight with them, which is awesome. And uh, as much as we would all love to see how that turns out, there's a bigger problem at hand that they need to deal with. And uh, Darian doesn't expect any help from the other residents of Juna as Cronus is the first ghoul to actually visit their planet in like many generations. Like none of them had ever seen like Heru War before. It was always just his Jaffa and stuff there. Um, so the, the the population of Juna, Juna are all sort of appropriately sort of scared and kowtowed at this point under Cronus because oh, he's, he's real ah, kind of a thing. Um, right. Somebody and also, and but again, Rachel, for you, Robojack asks basically, where's the backup? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Robojack knows what's up. Yeah, and Human Jack is just like, this is our mess. We'll clean it up. So they do apparently have a plan, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just then we hear like that Jaffa horn sound so it is it's time for them to go because there's a lot of Jaffa in these woods because they're still looking for Jack Robo Jack so from the commentary like the whole wrestling match 
like when the, the, the two decks actually start fighting each other. Michael really didn't want to do that because that's very complicated, like visual effects wise and like shooting it and everything. But you know, Rick's an executive producer, so he basically gets what he wants when he makes suggestions or like, OK. And then but then he was like, I'm actually really glad we did it because it's really cool. So Rick basically said, I want to fight myself. And everyone said, OK. And it. It actually ended up really neat, though, with the uh, with the whatever body devil or effect they ended up doing. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I, I agree with Michael that I'm I'm glad they did that because, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Random thought. Yes. Well, not random, but I'm putting it in a random place. Okay. Um, okay so robot, Teal'c, Daniel, uh, you know, the rest of SG1, mm-hmm. like they are not under the regulations of the SGC and or the military. Do Correct. you think Robot Carter and Robot Jack are together? <gasps> oh. oh, that's interesting. But they still kind of have that programming, even though they're not. That's still but in they're, their code, quote unquote, if you will. But they're very much under their own authority. They're not a military operation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't see any indication that they are, but. Because, I mean, at that point in time, like, if they, you know, if they were in love. Well, this they was. You wouldn't be like, but um, we can't because we think that we're still in the military. No, I don't think they would actually do that. I guess it depends on when the feelings are. Okay, let's see where this episode falls in um with the rest of okay so tin man which is where robo sg1 were created is the episode immediately following solitudes which is the episode where they got stranded in antarctica Mm -hmm. so i think that if if we do pinpoint a place where like feelings are being felt between them like kind of solitudes is where they're like acknowledged for the first time of like this is the thing between these two people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe I think, you know, Tin Man would be early days of whatever relationship feelings are happening between them. So, yeah, maybe. Sure. Why not? Oh, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, if there was attraction, there would definitely be separate adventures to develop it for this for this alternate SG-1. Yes. So, yeah, be interesting. It's it's also interesting that they're like still wearing like fatigues and like uniforms and stuff. Like Yeah, that so they didn't like make new clothes or yeah. restyle their hair. Yeah. I mean I, I guess the clothes make sense for going off world because camouflage, blah blah blah, Jaffa, bad guys out there. I mean camouflage does make sense, but Oh so where did they get their guns? How did how do they have MP5 like machine guns? They they didn't get those from the SGC. There's no way they gave them weapons before they left them on Horland's planet. Oh yeah, they wouldn't have left them with anything. No, no. So where did those come from? Now that they I'm thinking about it, they had to have built them, right? I guess. Does Sam know how to build a gun? <laughs> I mean, just because, I mean, I, I imagine they all know how to, like, disassemble and assemble a gun. But does that mean you know how to make all of the parts that make the gun work? Ah, hmm. Hmm. Anybody, anybody out there have theories? Where, where, where did the MP5s come from? Why, yeah. why are they carrying guns? Where did they get them? Let us yeah. know. Yeah. 
And Tilk's staff weapon. No, he doesn't have a staff weapon. Tilk, Robo Tilk is carrying a gun, uh, like the MP5, like the rest of them. Okay, that's one of the weird things we're supposed to notice. Yes. Okay. Hmm. All weird things. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, like there's, there's just, there's so many interesting things they could have done to like twist how they would have evolved. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess you know they they want to keep it as close to our SG1 as possible. So when the reveal happens, it's like, oh, I thought that was SG1. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, there was also a fun thing in the commentary when like Robo Daniels head got blown off. It's like you got to kill yourself. Like, yeah, Michael got to kill him. Yay. I always wanted. I really wanted to do. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, so back on Kronos' ship, it's time to experiment on the robots. Uh, they do feel pain, and they do feel sympathy when, like, the other one is being hurt. Uh, Robo Tilk and Robo Sam are obviously not saying anything, though, and the the under the underlingual Jaden, she basically, she wants to know how to turn Robo Daniels power back on which she ends this interrogation by saying uh because they're obviously not saying anything she goes then tell me which one of you would like to feel sympathy and which one pain which is that's actually that's a very good villain line that is yeah that's a very good line yeah yeah i like that Mm -hmm. um also from the commentary apparently like everyone in production wanted like robo daniel's head somewhere in the shot but michael's like no because he would like they would have to figure out how to like put him in there to like be his own head and he's like nope mm-mm, not nope i'm not gonna sit there with my eyes closed not moving for like 10 minutes so yeah like he was like no that's not happening and i'm the director so no what i say goes that's why i'm sitting in the big chair today yep so back at Darian's house, they're trying to figure out like how to get up to Cronus's ship to rescue everybody. And there are the ring transporters, which is great, but the rings have have to be activated from the ship. Like there's no activation activation console in the the landing pyramid. Uh, luckily, the robots have internal radios, so Robo Jack can just call up to Tilk and Sam and ask for their help, which uh, he does. And apparently, takes like half a second, but they're they're in for whatever they need to do to help this plan. They're in. Um, so, problem problem number one, Jack, cool. Uh, but the remaining problem is what to do with all of the Jaffa on the ship because there's like a thousand Jaffa up there. And Tilk's like, well, once they get to the Peltac, which is the basically like the bridge of the ship, that's the Peltac, uh, they can then lock down the rest of the level, the rest of the levels to keep all of the other Jaffa out mm-hmm. up there. Uh, up on Cronus's ship, apparently Robo Tilk has asked to speak to Cronus to bargain for a Robo Sam's life. Uh, Jadin has not been able to really learn much about them or any of the information that they have, but they do behave remarkably like humans do. And so she's hoping Cronus might be able to get some more information out of, like, Robotilk whenever they have their conversation. So Robotilk will be brought to Cronus. Also, Um, I mean, something that they would have kept in for the are they, are they not SG-1, you think Tilk would have had his symbol removed? Yeah. First prime thing, yeah. Because he doesn't need that. Interesting. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I don't remember from the original episode, but is it possible to make more of them? Like Daniel, Daniel's dead. Is it possible to make another Daniel? I don't think so, because like you need the original body to do that, I believe. 
Like, I don't think you can make a copy from a copy. I don't think. Because I didn't remember if what he, if however he extracted the consciousness to put it in the robots, if he like kept it on file. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about that either. I don't know if that specific thing is ever addressed, but it seems like you have to copy human to robot. I don't think you can do robot to robot, if I'm mm. remembering. Got it. Okay, so here's now where we start getting like just really short scenes as we bounce around between what all of the different like robot and human members of SG-1 are doing and what's going on with everybody. Uh, so we start with RoboJack has allowed himself to be captured by Darian and brought to the throne room to their first prime. We see RoboSam being tortured and Jadin wants again to know how to turn RoboDaniel on. So RoboSam tells her about like touching two crystals on opposite sides of the like power core thing down in the throne room. Sindar is pretty sure that Cronus will be very pleased to see Jack and Darian's like, no, he won't. And then like shoot Sindar with a crossbow, crossbow, which like go Darian. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, Robo Jack pulls out two guns, starts shooting at the Jaffa. The rest of SG-1 come in to help. Robo Jack takes a pretty big staff blast and is like leaking fluid everywhere, but is still like talking and stuff. Uh, Robotilk and Cronus are face-to-face. -face. Uh, obviously, Robotilk lied and only wanted to see Cronus in order to get revenge for killing his father. He takes out the two Jaffa who had been holding him, attacks Cronus with a uh, staff blast. Cronus is protected by the personal shield thing, so he's obviously fine. So Tilk just goes right then to, like, hand-to-hand -hand combat and, like, starts, like, grappling with Cronus. Back with Robo-Sam, she, too, obviously lied to Jadin, the instructions that Sam gave her activate Robo Daniel self-destruct. Aha! Mm. Gotcha. Uh, there's a large explosion and sirens start blaring. We get a quick shot of so several Jaffa running off from the like the ring room to go investigate the alarm, and there's still two Jaffa there left to like guard the rings. Uh, Robotilk and Cronus are still fighting. A Jaffa comes in and shoots Robotilk, who falls to the ground. Robo-Sam enters the ring room, takes out the two Jaffa who were there, activates it, ringing up the rest of SG-1. She tells them that Robo-Tilk is in trouble, that he's with Cronus on the Peltec, so Tilk takes off towards them. And now all they need to do is find that, like, master switch to start, like, shutting all the doors to, like, seal off the, the Peltec from the rest of the ship. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, unfortunately, and I'm sorry, but... Robo Sam's like burn makeup on her face God, is it's about as good as, it's about as good as what it was in the first episode. It's terrible. Her wig's not bad. The wig on yeah. Robo Sam is not bad. But yeah, that like they didn't even like it's not even the same color as her skin. Like they didn't right. even try. Like yeah. yeah. And it doesn't look like burned. It's just I don't yeah. It's, it's just not like goop on her face. Good. It's not good. Yeah. yeah. Cronus calls to one of his Jaffa for a staff weapon. Human Tilk enters, fires at Cronus using another Jaffa as a shield. Cronus uses the hand device to like defect, deflect the Zat blasts that Tilk like fires at him, which I don't think I've ever seen that before or since, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Cronus uses his the staff weapon that he has to shoot back at Tilk like through his Jaffa. So he like kills his own Jaffa in order to shoot Tilk. If, if, if you ever want to know how the ghouls feel about their Jaffa, that's it in a nutshell, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see Jack and the two Sams find, like, the master control panel. Robo Sam's going to keep watch with Jack while Sam gets to work. 
uh, Cronus steps up to Human Tilk, who tries to like fight back, but he's pretty badly injured from the staff weapon blast. Uh, so Cronus reaches into Tilk's pouch to start crushing Tilk's symbiote, which, as a reminder, this is how Cronus killed Tilk's father. So, yay! Nice. And you can just see the pain. Yes. Oh, such yeah. bad pain. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Sam gets the panel open and tries to start, like, moving the crystals around how they need to be, but it's blocked by some sort of, like, elect- electrical field, and she keeps getting shocked. So RoboSam steps up to get it done. Uh, and, like, she she's getting zapped, but because she's a robot, it's not as bad as it would be with, like, human Sam. Cronus is just about done with killing Tilk when he gets three staff weapon blasts to the back. Robo Tilk to the rescue. Cronus is dead. Robo Tilk says, for our father, like, so seriously, very meaningfully, and then, like, collapses uh, and and dies, question mark. But, like, ah, good job, Christopher Judge, with that, because. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good uh, we see Jack and Sam firing at the Jaffa as we see doors continue to close and they get it all done. They get the doors closed just before Robo Sam also collapses and dies, question mark. Yeah, I was very sad. We don't really actually know. I mean, you assume they all die, but yeah, we don't know whether or not they can be fixed. Yeah, I think I think when we get down like in this next scene and and start like wrapping things up with Robo Jack, I think that kind of tells us what's going on. But again, some yeah, a little sort of concrete information would be good here. Right. Um, so back in the throne room on the planet, Darian is kind of bandaging Robo Jack, and Jack uh, Robo Jack. He's like, he could maybe be fixed, but like his power is running low, which is sort of the main issue at this point. Uh, we see Jack ring back down to let Darian know that Cronus is dead. So Darian takes off to tell the rest of his people that Cronus is dead. Everything's fine. Robo Jack asks Jack about Tilk and Sam. And Jack tells him that the robo ones are not looking so good, but the real ones are okay. And Robo Jack says, are we still so far from real to you? And Jack's like, I guess not. And then Robo Jack dies, I guess. Question mark. Question and mark. He started to sound more Robo-ish. Yeah. Which was oh. cool, because I think that is how, like, you know, electronic things work. Like, as the batteries wear down on toys and things, mm-hmm. they do kind of start sounding like that, which was good. Um and then the episode closes with a shot of Cronus's mothership landing on the pyramid on Juna as we fade to black in the end. Um, but there's there there is a goof here though at the end, and they also acknowledge it in the commentary. Uh, so the mothership is a four-sided pyramid. The landing platform is a three-sided pyramid. That doesn't work. <laughs> Oh, we didn't even notice that. That's yeah, funny. yeah that, that, that doesn't quite work. So, uh, yeah, but uh, that was Double Jeopardy. I liked it. I really, I would have liked it so much better if they acknowledged whether or not they could be repaired, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that also would have an effect on how they carry out the missions and, and how to live their lives, if you will. Like, if they're just robots that can be reactivated any time, they could just go out and be like, I don't care. But if if they really can 
die. Yeah. It would change things. Yeah. I do like that we did revisit them because that was always sort of learning. It's like, there's a robot SG-1 out there. What's going on? I know they said they were going to just stay on the planet with Harlan, but I I think we all knew like there's there that wasn't going to happen. There's yeah. no way they yeah. would just stay there. No. So I, I like revisiting that storyline and even like three years later, because that was season one. This is season four. So that, yeah. you know, even still after all this time, there are things to go back and revisit and stuff. So. I would love to know whose idea that was and, you know, been in, been in that meeting room of like, so there's a robot SG-1 and everyone in the room is like, oh, right. I totally forgot about them. Yes. Let's do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was written by Robert Cooper. So. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It was Robert Cooper's original idea. Well done. Yes. I don't know. Maybe it was Brad Wright and he just, you know, Robert wrote the script. I don't know. Maybe. We did not get into that in the commentary or anything that I was able to find. So. Yeah. Right. But I liked it. Um, Me too. No. No real memos on this one either because there yeah. wasn't any sort of blaring. Really? Is Daniel touching things? Did they bring anything <laughs> back to the SGC they shouldn't have? Or did they go somewhere they shouldn't have? Or Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. This. Yeah. This episode is pretty like straightforward, and like they even acknowledged the. Yeah. Sorry, we don't have backup things, so we can't even do the where's the backup memo because yeah. they talk about that. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost like they've started realizing. <laughs> hey. There's a theme. We should maybe acknowledge this. Maybe something stupid. They bring back something stupid. Daniel yep. touches something. And then Jack touches something. <laughs> Uh, okay um okay so then the title for this week double jeopardy i mean there's the fact that there's the whole like double sg1 but also like going back to the planet and sort of putting the people in double jeopardy if you will from the ghouls Mm -hmm. do you think that the same thing would have happened if they had buried the gate or do you think the ghoul would have been like hmm that's weird no i'll leave him alone well they did bury the gate Oh, I the thought they. Of Juna, no, they did bury the gate, and then Cronus came by ship and like unburied the gate, so he could bring more, you know, Jafar or some whoever there. Oh, missed yeah. that one. I thought yeah. that they did not bury it. No. Yes. Yeah. People of Juna did bury their gate, but as we know, the Gould have ships, so. Right. Yeah. I remember yeah. that they did show up by ship, but I didn't remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, we have a couple interesting foreign territory titles. Most of them were Double Jeopardy, but in French, this was called Replicas, which kind of spoils the twist a little bit <laughs> as far as what happens here. Uh, and in German, it apparently is Double Effort. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, we have an email. We do. We do from Kevin, our longtime fan, Kevin. Kevin. Uh, uh, about the episode Entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says, hi, I'm Kevin. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. Actually found you on episode one. So I guess I'm one of the original four listeners. Uh, th- thank you very much, Kevin. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, anyway, I was listening to your discussion of the episode Entity and had to write in. You had mentioned how the SGC was very bad at the negotiation with the titular entity. And I disagree with that. O'Neill and Hammond threatened to keep attacking the entity's homeworld. And I feel this is why they sacrificed themselves and transferred uh, Carter's consciousness. 
I feel like this threat, which they would have followed through with, is the reason the entity chose to sacrifice itself. And you mentioned a little bit later why Daniel, of all, of all people, didn't offer to move the entity's consciousness to a coma patient or supercomputer. I feel like sacrificing a coma patient without consent is highly unethical. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes, Kevin, you're right. And there was no way for them to build a new super supercomputer as the base was under lockdown. So no computer equipment going in or out of the mountain. I thought that given the situation, SG-1 handled the situation very well and were smart to use the potential extermination of the entity's quote-unquote race as a negotiating tactic. Uh, anyway, I love the show and listen every week. Keep up the great work, and I'll see you on the other side of the wormhole. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, yeah, good point. Like, even as I was like, Listening back as I was editing, editing the episode, I was like, yeah, they actually, they really couldn't offer to send the entity anywhere. There really wasn't anywhere that could safely go. Mention it, though. I, so maybe it would have been better to have, like, a side conversation of, like, can we move it? And then have them actually say, like, well, no, we don't have anywhere to put it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of like it went straight from, like, threatening the entity with, like, in Sam, like, Jack going, like, we're going to send Malp after Malp to then just, like entity ships Sam's consciousness off and then you know Sam falls so I there really wasn't time for that conversation hmm. so because, I you know time with conversations with aliens because the episodes are only 42 minutes long and there's just not time for everything oh well that's mm. a mistake for one yep all right well thank you very much uh for writing in uh, if you would like to write in yourself, you can uh, send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G-Rewatch at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter for now. Uh, bring that back up in a second. Uh, or Instagram at SG underscore Rewatch. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. Um, as far as Twitter goes, I think uh, once we're done sharing season four episodes, we're going to be done with Twitter because that place is just, it's, it's, it's just going downhill fast it's a with giant, everything. Giant mess. Um, yeah, it's it's just a big old mess with everything. Um, so we're trying to figure out if like if Instagram itself will be fine. Um, Kevin on Twitter had mentioned possibly creating a Discord. I don't know if you guys would be interested in being able to actually have conversations about episodes and topics and things. Let us know what you think. If you do want this, maybe be a little more of an interactive experience. We can certainly give it a try and see how it works. Let us know. I think that's all for this week. Um, we're going to be taking off next week for the holidays. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, or just, you know, have a pleasant day if you don't celebrate. Hope everything is good for you. Uh, and we will see you next time for Exodus. Bye. Bye.